I feel like eating beef jerky is kind of like getting us back to the Texas state of mind. <laughs> right? Sure. Just eating dried meat makes you feel like... Dried salted meat that was made in San Bernardino, California. Well, close enough. Look. Look. Can't always be... Can't always authentic. be authentic. Um, we are here to talk about day seven and eight of Fantastic Fest. Should we tell the audience where we're recording this, though? Or do you want to keep the mystery well, going? Well, you just blown it, so... Yeah, we're not in Texas anymore, ladies and gents. Dorothy. Yeah. yeah. We have returned home. Um, the last couple of days of Fantastic Fest were kind of hectic, so we didn't get a chance to record this uh, in town. But um, all the uh, previous episodes... Um, are going to be the ones that we recorded that are in the bank right. will be up uh, along with this one. And we're also, I think we're going to do a little roundup of the stuff that's still available on the press screening room yes, that we yes. have access to. And um, maybe uh, a couple movies that are up on Netflix that played at Fantastic Fest. I'd like to kind of throw that in the mix, like Gerald's Game, one of the movies. Kind of a bonus missed. hidden track. You know. Right. That we, uh, that we missed. So I would like to do that. But... Let's talk about our uh, our um, seventh and eighth day, the final day. Um, our seventh day was pretty pretty um, short, but there were two movies that we saw. Um, we managed to do some shopping on South Congress, and uh, we decided that our first movie of the day would be one of the most anticipated late yeah. arrivals to the list. I think once... Um, Three billboards pulled out and a mm -hmm. couple others. I think one of the late um, uh, announcements the, uh, right, up, yeah. was was Joseph Kahn's Bodied, which had didn't, done really <clears throat> done really well at uh, TIFF. Yes, at Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, why did this have so much hype around it? I'm trying to remember. Just because of its subject matter, I think rap so. battles. I think so. Um, Joseph Kahn. I gotta say, I'm a secret Joseph Kahn fan. Why I don't are you really, secret about it? I don't really talk a lot to people about it because he is a de divisive character. Right. Um, I, I really do love um, detention. Um, I have a soft spot for torque. I'm a fan of it. Um, Adam Scott's torque? Adam Scott's torque, yes. Right. Okay. Um, but uh, those... Uh, he's, he's a good uh, director. He's a, he mainly known as a music video director. Mm -hmm. And he's... Most of those movies, the three movies he's done, including this one, Bodied, um, have a lot of that meta sense of humor, which I like. And some people get mileage may vary right. out of it, like it's a little too on the nose. And Bodied, for those who don't know, means in a rap battle, when you get owned, mm -hmm. when you get body slammed. Yep. yep. When someone trashes you so thoroughly. Yep. You may never recover. I think what he does well is that he does a good job of of joining cultures. So, Absolutely. like, if you aren't aware of what rap battling is, or if you're not aware of uh, people of color and their inclusion in that, mm -hmm. you know, he has a good way of kind of baseline making everyone equal making fun of whites blacks hispanics <clears throat> asians the movie's about uh, a white uh college student who's doing his thesis right. on use of the n-word in rap battles that's right. how the movie starts so right. he is um researching rap battles specific rappers 
trying to get to the bottom um, of this this quandary and trying to answer some questions for himself. Right. What he finds out along the way, pretty early in the movie, so it's not a spoiler, is that he's skilled at putting together these lines, these bars, mm-hmm. um, and taking people to task on yep. the rap battle floor. Circuits, yeah. Mm-hmm. The circuit. The yeah. circuit. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting. I mean, it, it is a, a, a comedy for the most part, mm-hmm. but I think what it does well is it, it gives you um, kind of a primer or a primer, however people say it, into that... Primer. I don't, I've never heard anyone I've heard say people primer. Say, okay, it must be academics. I'm sorry. You're not uh, in that... Um, she's giving me the worst face. You better right fucking watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a primer into uh, rap battles and kind of the glossary of terms, the type right. of people you're going to come about. And again, I, I don't want to uh, undercut this, but um, Joseph Kahn's, the people that are kind of dis- find him distasteful because he's so upfront with with what people think as racism but i think is just how people of color often talk to each other they talk to each other in and just stereotypes a, but in a way to break that stereotype and in a in a way of really addressing things yes that maybe the average white girl right. uh, or guy or you know may not be aware of right and there's so much Good. Okay, so there's a lot of racial, quote-unquote, humor. There's a lot of edgy stuff in this movie. But the stuff that I really connected to, personally, um, was a lot of the talk about safe spaces. Right. And... Uh, PC culture. And stuff PC like culture. Yeah. Finding the right words. Being so aware of everybody that right. you lose your complete sense right. of expression and self. I haven't seen that done in this strong of a way yet. And it is something that is completely infesting the culture. Yeah. Um, so I to see it thrown up on the screen like that made me super fucking happy. And props to Joseph Kahn for doing that, for doing it so well, for doing it so tightly. Mm-hmm. Um, Hart Bachner, who some people might know as Ellis from Die Hard, uh, had a short directing career. He did a couple movies. One of them was PCU. And this movie and Detention remind me yes. a lot of PCU. Yeah. This is an updated version of yes. PCU, absolutely. Conf- confronting kind of these things. The, the neoliberalism. Yes. Um, not in a way to say, oh, it's all bullshit, but turning a mirror on it and right. saying, okay, you know, you're being a enough. little too much. Yeah. At what point is enough enough? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I think across the board, it's it's really good. One of the best meta jokes in the movie for me was Simon Rex showing up, who I didn't know was involved in, in rap battles in general. Like, he's in that he's culture. He's known in that circuit, but, yeah. but anyone who knows, he played the Eminem character in Scary Movie 3, kind of the, the parody of 8 Mile. Right. So the parody of Eight Mile, this guy is in a body produced by Eminem. by Eminem, and also so there was a like you know uh, fourth, fifth, sixth wall being broken. It was yeah. pretty amazing. Uh, but yeah, overall, Anthony really Michael Hall was great playing a poetry professor Fantastic. in college. Yep. I love Anthony. Michael. I love adult Anthony yep. Michael Hall yep. so much more than I ever loved teenage. There's Anthony some Michael great Hall. cameos in this. Yeah, there is. Fantastic. Um, and and the lead gentleman Colum. Mm-hmm. Someone pronounced his name as Callum, but they said it was Column or something yeah, different like that. Who that. also is on American Vandal right now. Right. Um, right. It was. It was. 
Good stuff. And I got to say, I mean, a lot of lists are coming out from friends of ours and critics that went to Fantastic Fest and Bodied is in the top three. I think a lot of people people, are saying it's one of the best. I really thought when we saw it that it was uh, one of the best that we saw at the festival. I really (laughs) enjoyed it. Yep. And I would like to see it again. But But maybe I need to see it again to like... To understand this rabid, instantaneous love that people have for it. Right. I'm a fan of hip-hop. I like hip-hop. Right. And I and I like the movie, but I, I didn't... Like, it wasn't an automatic, <clears throat> oh my god, classic movie for me. I liked it. I really dug it, but... It- it really um, is it just the the way that people are like if, everything is so good. It falls into trouble territory. I think that you get people, and I I I can speak as a, a white male that when you have this Beastie Boys kind of appreciation for hip hop, you get these kind of you know white kids that love rap and not so much co opting the the culture, but really have a true love of it. Right. When you see a movie about that, they glom onto it really quick. Right. So this is playing at a festival where a lot of people love genre films, horror movies and everything and mm-hmm. all of them pretty much I would say across the board love hip hop, love the Beastie Boys and That's everything. That's a big... I think that you would find wow. that a lot of these okay. people really, really enjoy this and, and, and it's also... It's not to to be overly critical but it's kind of like let's jump onto this thing because it's cool and hip. And you know, there's some people that really don't know anything about hip hop that right. probably love this movie because they think it will make them cool and hip. Right. Yeah. I dug it. Joseph Kahn, please keep making movies. Stop having be there making. be so much time in between movies. Absolutely. Um Absolutely. I loved it. I really did love it. So the next movie that we saw was uh, VIP. Um, This is going to be an interesting um, comparison because (laughs) we were so in love with The Merciless from previous day. Right. Um, VIP is directed by uh, Hoong Jung Park. Another South Korean crime. Mm -hmm cops and robbers type thing. Right. And I think that this is a little closer to what people are, if you're a fan of South Korean cinema, a little closer to what you end up getting most of the time. Um, Very long, very twisty uh, type movies. How long was it? Uh, Three days. (laughs) It was over two hours. Um, But uh, it's by the the writer. He's directed a few movies, but he's most well known as the writer of I Saw the Devil. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a a movie that's um, twisty and turny. It's involving the local police, the local CIA type, and um, also the North Korean CIA, you know, kind of like, so there's espionage, but also a serial killer involved. And it also hops timelines back and forth a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of um, pieces being moved on this chessboard. Peter Stormare plays uh, American, plays CIA. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, the leads are all, I think, all strong leads. I, I, I haven't seen a lot of movies with the main guy who's the South Korean police guy, the South Korean detective that's kind of like the dirty Harry of the mm-hmm. group you know doesn't follow the 
book. Do you know? what you got to do to get it yeah. done. And yeah. then the the CIA guy is by the book until yeah. he's not. You know what I mean? Right. So there's a lot of this kind of uh, espionage, but also a serial killer thing. I think that it's very popular in Japanese cinema. I know for a fact. I uh, I don't know about South Korean, but um, when you have a killer uh, who's an unrepentant unrepentant villain, to to have him be this smiling kind of boyish you know Complete type guy psychopath. Yeah. yeah it's very popular to to play that up and uh this movie's no different um <laughs> but it does you know what I, I say what it does well is it feels like a fully international movie doesn't it it's it, you, you're getting mixes of korean and english and you're getting mm-hmm. these people that are kind of like showing an international culture it doesn't feel too isolated it feels like it's larger than it is I will say, <clears throat> I enjoyed the movie, but I had a hell of a time trying to figure out the inner workings and the inner politics of a lot of things. Okay. I I really, I don't know if it was because I was still thinking about Bodied, which right. is, but I mean, I was sitting there, I was watching and I was listening and reading. I still was like, wait a minute, where's that guy who, wait a minute, who's he working for? Right. And not because it's like twisty and turny. I just felt like it was so dense. There was yes. a lot of stuff yes. going on. There's there's several storylines going through, and and the serial killer, um, without giving too much away, mm-hmm. is involved. He he has connection to the North Korean government, mm-hmm. so he's been kind of free reign, given free reign right. to commit murders in North Korea. And then when he came to South Korea to commit the same murders, he's kind of being protected on high. And the person who's from North Korea who defected, um, who's kind of a C, this, their CIA guy, right. who's going after this serial killer, he's kind of doing it any any way he can. And he enlists kind of that, that South Korean detective, dirty hairy detective, involved with it. And at the same time, there's a bunch of bureaucratic political stuff happening. So that that intrigue is dense. It the is bureaucratic hard. stuff was really what I <clears throat> You know, who is he actually working for that bureau or, you know. Right. Um, and with the inclusion of the CIA in it, and, and honestly, it starts, the movie starts off with a timeline that it doesn't get back to until later in the movie. The, it's a bookend. The end of the movie, yeah. So it's very difficult to see how that fits in. Peter Stormare shows up in the first five minutes and you think, okay, right. well, where is he? And then he shows up much later. But so much of the movie is about a serial killer being protected on high mm-hmm. and having basically, quote unquote, diplomatic immunity from his right. crimes he can do whatever he wants so you're dealing with uh, a North Korean faction you're dealing with at least two quote unquote police CIA units yes. in South Korea and you're also dealing with the American CIA yes. so there's so many moving parts yeah so never I, mind the criminal underworld and all those people that are also involved in that yes yeah. So it's a little more humdrum, run-of-the-mill South Korean um, drama than The Merciless. I think The Merciless has a little more character and it's a, a little more focused mm-hmm. and um, it's a, a little easier to follow, honestly. Mm-hmm. This one is kind of like for people that love the the soap opera and the the intrigue of, of these type of stories. But, but not the... I wouldn't say soap opera. I'd say like the more... Um the plotty what's the what's the word i'm looking for like the law and order type um oh yeah 
um, uh, procedural. Procedural, exactly. It's very procedural. Exactly. Where the merciless was a lot more character driven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's per- how I feel perfectly about that. summed up. Yeah. So VIP was um, not not great. It's it's. I think that for certain people who like. Um, Korean cinema, it's probably going to be a, a solid, okay movie that you can watch on a, on a Sunday. It but was it's good. Yeah. Like, I didn't dislike it, but I did have a hard time with it a little bit. Didn't set the world on fire. It didn't set the world on fire. Um, and because of our final day, the next day coming up, right. I think that you made an excellent decision said, hey, we're going to skip the midnight movie. Um, this was on the sixth day on Wednesday. Right. And we're going to go watch... Um, Moorhead and Benson's resolution right, to get ready for The Endless, which we were seeing the next day. I had heard that there was some tie-ins, some connections, some threads between Resolution and their new film, The Endless, and I hadn't seen Resolution in a very long time, and I kind of wanted to revisit it. Um, and I had never and Greg seen had it. never seen it. Yep. So that it was both, it was, you know, clear and fresh in our minds when we went to see The Endless, because I didn't want to miss out on anything yep. um, from The Endless. You wanted to pick up on it. So... Quick thing, I think Resolution, I'm so glad that you had us watch it, because I think we both got a lot more out of The Endless. Not to say that The Endless is is anchored to it, but I think it fills in a lot of that stuff, the potpourri around the movie, knowing what's going on. You get a little more out of it. Keep referring to characters from Resolution. Um, So yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, Our our final day of Fantastic Fest was set off with the um, movie that I... I was most looking forward to, and that was the Hitchcock, um, well, the Psycho um, fan documentary, really, uh, 7852. Was it a fan documentary? Well, you know, hardcore fanatics. It was for, yeah. It was for people who, I I said it was a movie made for Psycho, Psycho fans, and I'm (laughs) one of them. Um, I was so looking forward to this. It's really 7852. It's 52 seconds, 78 cuts, I believe, that the shower scene in Psycho takes, and it's really a love letter uh, movie, talking heads, most of it in black and white to maintain, you know, continuity with the shower scene and the fact that Psycho was shot in black and white. Um, But bringing in so many fans slash filmmakers. The documentary focuses on the shower scene and how it kind of changed cinema as we know it today. Um, But it also does talk about Psycho and its influence on cinema to that point. It talks about how Hitchcock got to the movie, but really it is a focus of that scene specifically. Right. Can they make a whole movie about one scene? You bet they can. I think it was very effective. You had everyone from Elijah Wood to Brett Easton Ellis. Who I was the most happy to see turn up because I think Brett Easton Ellis is a very knowledgeable voice about cinema. He's Mm -hmm. such a fan. Absolutely. And seeing, I'm like, I know that voice. Seeing him talk about it made me thrilled that he's getting a little bit of credit for his knowledge. And and to think about it, you know, really, uh, I compare this the most to people's love for room 237 which i i i nearly hated i would say (laughs) um room 237 takes the conceit of all of these uh elements that are rumored that kubrick intended to be in the movie so these little elements that people have started exponentially not exponentially extrapolating um their meaning Mm -hmm. and it's really a movie about fandom and how it can how you can interpret something i'm not the biggest fan of room 237 though i love the shining 
In this, however, you can see the influence. I, what? Go ahead. I was gonna say I can't. I I don't see how you can compare the two movies because this uh, seventy-eight fifty-two is based in fact. Yeah. Pure fact. Right. From Hitch himself. True. True. And and Room Two Thirty Seven is fan um, theories. It's so subjective. Correct. Versus this, which is a, it's subjective, and it's but it's based. It's known to be subjective. You right. know what I mean? It's right. not. No one is saying at any point this is fact right. in Two Thirty Seven. Right. But. 7852 is all right. factual information and opinion. So right. It's, it's, yeah. That's true. From from a historic perspective, I am, uh, like I said, a psycho-psycho fan. I love the movie. I watched it with my dad. It was something that I saw mm-hmm. as a child. So I have such an autobiographical bent to uh, Psycho, mm-hmm. and especially the shower scene, which I think uh, everybody agrees is probably one of the um, benchmarks for slasher cinema started with Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have you have all of these filmmakers, actors, editors, um, critics that are being interviewed for the movie, and it, it's just so lovely to see um, cuts be uh, rewound, fast forwarded, uh, extrapolated, taken apart, made abstract. For anybody who doesn't know anything about film editing process, which I'll admit is me, I don't know much about it at all. Mm-hmm. You learn so much about the process and. Um, Exactly how much a film is shaped, not by the director, not by the actor, um, but by the editor. Right. Because it's really incredible the way um, that some of these cuts are explained. Yep. It was very eye-opening for me. And I I love Psycho, too. I I remember, same as you, seeing it as a kid, um, being told to turn around during the shower scene Mm because it was too scary. And then watching it much later as an adult and just being like, oh my god, this is amazing. I remember my dad... I even this... like... Sorry. I even like the 1998 version. I'll say it. Go ahead. And it's good that they, <laughs> they wrap that into they this. Do. You they do. They include it. They, especially when they were talking about how the music changed between the two mm-hmm. versions. The music is so important. Herman's music is mm-hmm. so important to that scene when they talk about yeah. the psycho music, you mm-hmm. know? That disjointed music. But um, yeah, what I was going to say was my... My, my dad said, look, this is going to be very scary. You might not want to watch it. And I right. was like, eh, whatever. It's black and white, yeah. dad. It can't be that yeah, scary. Yeah, watch it. I think I was up for three nights thinking about it. It was just, it's I just rem- so scary. I remember looking in, behind my shower curtain, mm-hmm. I swear, for years when yep. I was a kid. Because I, I'm like, I didn't really see the scene, yep. but I knew that something really bad Yep. Happened in that shower. Yep. So I would always peek. I mean, I think everybody peeks behind the shower curtain. It's a thing now. It's yep. just a thing in culture. So if you're if you're used to kind of the making ofs, the documentaries that come on basic DVDs, Blu-rays, uh, if you've seen the making of Psycho, there's not much information in seventy-eight fifty-two that isn't already available in those those packages that you've seen before. However, the breakdown of that scene. Its influence before and after Psycho, I think, is is very um, valuable. And, and just to see people, good. you know, not typical people, not necessarily people tied into the production. Like you said, Elijah Wood, Brady Snellis, um, Ileana Douglas is in there. Yep. People who are fans of the film and knowledgeable about, about the film, talking about their love of yep. it. Um, is really nice to yeah. see a different different perspectives on something that you've seen a lot. Love it. Alexander O. Philippe, by the way, is the director I, we didn't mention. Um, it played with a short at the beginning of yes. it, which I think was very apt. By Jennifer Proctor. Yep, right? called uh, Nothing a Little Soap and Water Can't Fix. Um, if, you're, if you're kind of aware of 
film programs, a lot of them have like a requirement to do experimental or documentary film. And one of the projects that I've been told by many people that, that have gone to other schools um, than mine, uh, we all have this one project that's basically a compilation project where you mm-hmm. take the same type of scene that's happening in, in many movies and you edit it together to to create a the um, to capture the similar theme or the similar action that's being happened. So if this person is drinking in the tub in this one scene in the movie, you you match it up with other people drinking in the tub, and all of a sudden you create this theme like those this. tropes. Those yes. all right, turn in your badge and your gun. Exactly. Or I'll be right back. Or exactly. any sort of trope. So this trope. Before Psycho, um, the film that we saw before Psycho, the short film, was women bathing. Mm-hmm. Not only... Getting ready for the shower um, Disrobing, yep. lighting candles, drinking wine, putting the face cloth over their face every step mm-hmm. of the way. Um, hearing something, being frightened in the tub, possibly yep. dying in the tub. Yeah. Um, it was... Awesome. It's so, it was so awesome. It's so interesting to see between this, whatever, two dozen movies or maybe mm-hmm. more, to see how much of the same cinema, cinematic language is being used. Unbelievable. Over and over again. The same kind of close-ups, the same kind of uh, twists and turns, the same reveals. Manipulation of bubbles and the bubble. Like, yep. everything. Yep. And, you know, you, you've you noticed it if you've seen more than a few movies. You know, the girl takes off her bathrobes, you see her bare shoulders as she steps into the tub. But even more detailed, the way she's rubbing the soap on her Mm. neck, um, the way she exhales before she goes under (coughs) the water, like just these teeny little things that have been repeated a hundred times. I kept waiting for the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Heather Langenkamp in the in the in the tub to come from between her legs. Yeah. So you see all these horror movies and and from and mainstream not just horror movies, yeah, yeah, not just horror movies, but also and not just mainstream movies, indie movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Kind of just seeing this similarity. There um, was uh, rules this, of attraction and yep. there fatal attraction. Yep. Um, it's just now really I'm blanking out on every other movie that's right. in there. But there's, there's a whole tons. list of citations yeah. on her website, on amazing. Jennifer Proctor's re- website. But of course, I mean, it's kind of a shoe, and it's perfect to play before oh a God, documentary about Psycho. <laughs> it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And and for the movies that we've seen paired with a lot of um, the features this time around, I think we've seen three shorts. They were all pretty st- uh, strong. We all kind of liked seen, them, yeah, didn't yeah. we? And good pairings, too. Yep. And then we get into the movie that was our second of the day that we uh, that we got ready for the night before with Resolution, The Endless. Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson's um, third film. Yep. Um, the Endless is a movie about cults. It's also a movie about um, something supernatural happening family. in the woods. I would say family. It's about family. Absolutely. It's about an unknown presence. <clears throat> Be it a deity or something evil. Right. Um, it's about faith, yep. I think. Yep. The larger themes. Yep. At what point do you believe in what's in front of you and what's not? You know How to attack this. So there's so much to be said that can't be said because it would be a spoiler. But, you know, these two characters that were kind of like throwaway characters in Resolution um, that are part of this, it seems like a doomsday cult. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they keep referring to it as a UFO a, death cult. Right. Both jokingly and not jokingly. Right. Um, the, ba- the most basic plot of the, the story is these two brothers um, <coughs> have escaped this cult for a, a number of reasons. And then for a similar number of reasons, they go back to kind of see what has happened. Um, and then what evolves from their revisiting not only these people, but this place um, where the cult uh, have their habit, right? Where they habit, where their their habitat, their, habit, their habitat, their habitations. Um, but it is a s- similar, you know, kind of backwoods cult type thing. People have their own little cabins and tents and stuff like that, and they get together around uh, uh, fires and and they do these tests of of will, like a tug of war yeah. and yeah, of faith and everything, and kind of you know showing your loyalty to the group or this, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Surrogate family. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Spring. I thought I Resolution it. was good. Spring, now seeing three three of their movies, mm-hmm. Spring is so different than Resolution. Wildly and different. Wildly different. Um, and I think what I love and get drawn to about Spring, I miss in The Endless. I feel like... Um, I like them as filmmakers. By the way, Benson and Moorhead are the lead characters in this movie. Right. So they're di- playing double duty directors and actors. But they also do the cinematography and the yep. visual effects. These guys do absolutely yep. everything. Yep. Every aspect of the filmmaking so, process. So, so knowing the making of the movie makes me love Benson and Moorhead more. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're doing this stuff for their own independent uh, filmmaking, that's something I support and, and want to um, continue to, to aid in, in whether mm-hmm. I can pay for a ticket or a DVD, right. help them in any way to make that happen because that's the type of filmmaking I want to see. Yeah. However... The Endless was a, a constant battle with me because I felt like it was not only slow, mm-hmm. I felt it was pretty convoluted with its mythology. It, its grasp of its own mythology and how it was depicting it, mm-hmm. I, I felt lost most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked knowing that they were trying to reach out and do something more with the, the plot and kind of... like blast it open and kind of bring in not only stuff from resolution but like you said different timelines and all of that mm-hmm. i thought that stuff you know going down that road of of science fiction was very interesting but i just felt constantly like the mythology was was so murky i you saw it as murky and i see it as mysterious maybe is the right word for okay. it i you're never gonna i don't know like you don't watch resolution and feel like there's any sorry for the pun resolution at the end (laughs) even watching spring you have questions through the entire thing right and the same thing in the endless you have questions through the entire thing there isn't anybody making movies like these two guys true and i appreciate that even if i'm not a hundred percent clear on the mythology or the finer details in it I I love that experience of not knowing what is going to happen next and just kind of being like, all right, I'm going to let this happen. I'm going to see what happens to these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself really caring about the characters in this movie um, the same way that I did in Spring and Resolution to a lesser degree. Seeing Resolution a second time made me care more about the characters, right. that's for sure. Right. Um, 
but I just, um, I want to see it like 10 more times and I want to hear them talk about the movie more because I, I'm just, I'm wild about it. I just really am. Yeah. I have not seen anything like it. I think it's. Uh, I think just from the immediate reactions I saw on Twitter that it is a divisive movie. There's people that Absolutely. really love it and then not necessarily really hate it, but feel like, like less, they less than more. excited about like, it. Like yeah. I'm happy to not have to. I'm I'm okay to be left wanting more. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are not in that mindset, or if you want more from a movie, if you want solid lines drawn or um you know the the circle to be closed at the end you're not necessarily going to get that right. from this movie right i just feel like it's not just that i don't think that it's just um kind of imparting um i think it's also imparting valuable meaning to its mythology i didn't constantly f- i didn't feel at any time like the mythology was anything other than Oh, that's interesting. I never felt really drawn in by it. It never felt like it was um, not not tangible, but it it never it never felt rewarding like a payoff. There's this whole point about um, uh, loops and whole points of being stuck in kind of this um, umbrella dome of a loop, and there's only certain ways that you can break out of that loop. These are interesting concepts and conceits that they even start showing in resolution with mm-hmm. the videotapes and everything, but it never feels like it fully comes to, to any sort of culmination or, or, or meaning. It's just there. There are easily ten more movies that could be made yeah. out of any one of the aspects that are explored in this. Yeah. And I like I think that's cool and I think that's okay. Okay. I'm okay with a surface examination of a lot of these concepts. Um either hoping that there'll be more later, there'll be more of a deep dive, or just letting my own mind kind of yeah. mull over and work on right. Um, and this is this is hard for me to say because really I'm one of these people that doesn't like stuff spoon fed to me at right, all. Right. So I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh, cool, I can take that. But mm-hmm. there was even a, a breaking point for me where I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I I, I enjoyed seventy five percent of this, but right. that last twenty five just it didn't didn't connect, d- didn't yeah. connect with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the endless is worth seeking out, though. I can agree for with sure. that definitely, sure. and definitely, and not def- just if you liked Spring. If you hated Spring, yeah, um, you're fool but if you hated it you should still give the endless a shot definitely watch good resolution characters. first good characters yeah it's see resolution i think that watching this without resolution can be done but i think you get a lot more or maybe watch endless first and then see resolution i yeah. don't know i don't know what order yeah. i would even suggest watching them in yeah yeah i agree um and it's also good seeing resolution first because uh having cameos and characters show up yes that yes. that say oh i was here and then all of a sudden they kind of like pieces right. it together <laughs> so then um for the final movie final night of uh, fantastic fest we saw uh the closing night movie alexander payne's downsizing which i did not read anything about mm-hmm. and just from the title alone i thought it was going to be about corporate america guess what I was wrong. In a way, in a way, it starts. I was no. super wrong. Um, uh, so Alexander Payne, known for Election, About Schmidt, uh, Sideways, 
the what else? Descendants. The Descendants. He is known for doing quirky comedies with moments of drama, or maybe dramas with moments quirky of quirky dramas. With, yep, with with <laughs> moments of comedy. comedy. Um, oh, Nebraska is another mm-hmm. one. Um, Alexander Payne. I haven't seen a movie of his that I've liked in a long time, and it's just because. Like, usually I like half the movie, mm-hmm. and I don't like the other half, and, and Downsizing's no different, actually. I I haven't seen enough of his movies to really... That's not true. I've seen a few. Sideways I liked, but only after mm. several viewings. I think... The ele- Descendants was okay. I think Election... I have no... I think Election is his best yeah. comedy through 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 throughout, mm-hmm. and I think About Schmidt might be his best drama throughout. Yeah. Like, About Schmidt has that drama, but that quirky comedy, and it feels much better as a as just a character piece right. than those uh, other movies. Those other movies just they feel so uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people, especially because of its Oscar and interest, um, really. Uh, gravitated to into um, Descendants, right? And then Nebraska, of course, with Bruce Dern. Right. But um, I I feel really left cold by both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, downsizing about Matt Damon uh, and his wife Kristen Wiig at the beginning. Oh, it's like Let's about not Schmidt. about it. About yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah, I'm out, uh, about Matt Damon. Um, really. Uh, so so he does uh, a great performance. He does in this wildly. He does. Let's uneven. give a let's give a little. Uh, yeah, wildly uneven. Yeah. Um, it, it's a it's a movie about uh, making people miniature, five inch people. Yeah. To ostensibly, I shrunk the kids for adults, for grown-ups, and with yep. no fun. It is, um, I mean, ostensibly the um, the technology is being developed to save the planet. You know, to cut back on the the garbage waste that we make. Um, to cut back By on the, how less much resources, less space, how much space we're going to take up, and everything. The lifespan of our one and only planet. There's some really fun stuff, especially at the beginning when he's becoming small. I remember yes. laughing so hard when they're being made small, when they're There's being just, downsized. Yeah. Um, I could have, look, I could have dealt with a whole movie absolutely. of the first, like, what, 30 minutes maybe, yeah. like where they're learning about the process, yeah. and then them being like, I'm a little person and this is yep. a big thing, or yeah. like, adjust, like, I would have, fuck it, I would have loved that whole movie. Right. Instead, what you get <clears throat> from this movie, I think, is a movie that focuses on the downsizing process. Yes. F- completely forgets about it and is inconsequential for most of the mo- middle of the movie. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh yeah, remember, all these people are small. Right. If he, if Alexander Payne had made this movie, the middle of the movie, which I'm not going to give anything away, if you had made the middle of the movie without the shrinking gimmick... Mm-hmm. That could have been Oscar Beatty, honestly. It yeah. could have it could have had a lot more. Warren's weight. brother, as Fernando brings it up every time. <laughs> it Warren's brother, Oscar. Oscar Beatty. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so it took me a minute to get that. Yeah, there you go. I was like, is that or a master- Ned's cousin? Is that a Master Beatty yeah, joke? No, there you go. Um, but instead, you had for me a pretty uh, atypical drama. Yeah. That was bookended by quirky, quirky, quirk. There's little people Absolutely. and we're shrinking. Absolutely. And it didn't need to... It, it was two different movies that could have been 
There could have been two movies, is what I'm there, trying to say. There's, there's good stuff in there with the the science fiction technology stuff that felt kind of like inner space. Right. You know? And then you have stuff with Christoph Waltz and Udo Kier. And the, Who are just the most European dudes the that best. you've ever seen in your life. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is and good Laura in a little, cameo. a little cameo. Yep, Laura Dern. Um, Exploring the whole, like, because you are now what, like, five inches tall, as opposed yeah. to whatever you're... Your money is now worth so, so much, much more, more right. right? So all these people now who are, are tiny are right. millionaires. Right. They can do whatever they want. They don't have to work. They have these incredible lives of leisure. Right. I could have seen a whole movie about that. <clears throat> Absolutely. What happens with that? <clears throat> There's kind of a um, uh, a white privilege thing... Absolutely. ...that's going on with Matt Damon's character that the movie then takes on with this um, Vietnamese... <clears throat> sorry. This Vietnamese r- refugee mm-hmm. who was uh, downsized against her will. Yeah, there's so much <clears throat> other stuff that I would have liked to have All known this, about. Exactly. Yeah. All this other stuff that... that fills it out and this Vietnamese uh, character who's a, a maid in that life in the right. downsized life um, kind of living in the ghettos of the downsized life mm-hmm. uh, played by Hong Chow I think her name is mm-hmm. which great actress I she think she great. is one of the best performances in the movie easily easily um, but th- what I was going to say is it, this love uh, this romance between them is kind of shoehorned in. That's th- that becomes that middle part, and I feel like it kind of brings the movie down from its starting with its high concept mm-hmm. downsizing mm-hmm. technology science fiction stuff. I felt like <clears throat> the middle wasn't wasn't uh, anchored down by that, but I felt like the end certainly was. Yeah, well, I like their getting to know each other process. I like him learning about her day to day life and trying right. to find himself within. You know, being of service to other people. I like all that. Um, But that whole movie didn't need to be about people who, by the way, were also tiny. It just didn't need sure, to be. Sure, And it almost feels like that that third act or fifth act, however you want to break down the movie, <laughs> um, that that is, ba- it is being there solely for that last joke about the, the rock explosion. Absolutely. So it, it is a movie that I think where it's really uneven is when it gets really preachy. Absolutely. So it gets to the point that the whole movie's based around the idea that you're trying to save the planet, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you would downsize. Right. Um, and the fact that people, like you already said, uh, the fact that people become millionaires as soon as they're d- downsized, there's a whole, there's a whole separate issue of entitlement. There's so and much other stuff they could have they explored with this it. movie. It makes exactly. it insane exactly. that they like, they're like, oh, by the way, here's a really cool concept, but we're gonna get back to this boring bullshit. Right. Right. It pisses me off. Right. No, I agree. I totally agree. So the, the so last poor story choices. So the last part of the movie really is getting preachy about um, the inconvenient truth, the world, right. Greenpeace, all this stuff. And and you know yeah. honestly, it, that's that's a a serious subject, and it's something that um, the movie wants to take seriously, but it's 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 hitting it too hard, concrete hands, up, yeah. too yeah. hard with it, yeah. and um, it really brings down the rest of the movie. I think you know. And I really like Matt Damon. He is great. He is great. He does the best he can with this, but it's just kind of yeah. Bland. It's just bland. It's an overlong movie. It's uneven. It's very long. I felt every. It's one thirty-five, and it feels like it's one fifty. Yeah, know? it does. It's, yeah. it's quite long. Yeah. And I really, you know, when it started, I was like, "Oh shit, this mm-hmm. is not about corporate America. This is cool. Yeah, I'm really on board for this." And then as it went on, I'm like, 
Okay, I'm a little less on. Okay, I'm I, a little less on board. I I want Alexander Payne to do more quirky stuff like this. I just want him to kind of draw back a little bit on the heavy handedness he of everything else. He could be doing Charlie else. Kaufman type stuff. True. And he's not. True. True. You know, he could be doing adaptation. He could be doing being John Malkovich. Right. And he's just not. And that. Um, right. I don't know what his ultimate goal was. Mm -hmm. Is the movie about finding yourself? Is the movie about finding a purpose? Um, I, I don't know. I it's just... it's definitely you're definitely gonna see a wide release of it. It's the closing oh, night sure. movie. It's an Alexander yeah. Payne movie. It, it's gonna be easy to to see when it comes out. I think in November or is it this month. I'm curious to hear what other people think about it. What their other reactions are. Absolutely, I, seek it out. It's a solid movie, but you'll see where maybe it starts showing its threads towards. I wouldn't say seek it out. I mean, second. you're gonna have to pee. At least once or twice during sure. this movie, if you're me. So don't sure. drink a lot before you watch it. Right. It's very long. Um, yeah. If you want to know where you should go pee, just DM me <laughs> and Greg, and we'll tell you where you can get up and go, um, where you're not going to miss much. <laughs> oh, yeah, the parts. Just, I thought you meant the location to pee. Oh. I thought you were saying DM us, so we'll tell you where to literally pee. Literally where no, geographically where, to pee. Where in the movie to take a break. Because there's plenty of plenty yeah. of spots where you could yeah. go, Yeah. maybe get a popcorn yep. refill. Yep. Maybe some peanut M and M's. I don't yep. know. Whatever you're feeling like your snack is. I, Make sure you have a good snack for this movie. Thinking back over it, I think that there is a strong delineation line when it it starts getting uh, crappy and overbearing. <laughs> there, there is. I think that up to like the the midway point, though, it's a solid movie. I also it's wanted really to funny. say Carrie Kenny, who I've loved since I was 13 years old, the state has a great mm -hmm. um, from the state and Viva Variety and. Yep. Reno 901 has a great um, small yeah. role in this, a lot too. Of, a lot of The performances good are good. Like, there really are. I'd like to see more of the actress. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, between, so I feel like between Downsize and VIP, there are movies that are kind of solid, you know, that you could... If you're a huge you Alexander Payne fan. Mm -hmm. If you're a huge South Korean procedural fan. Right. Um, if you just can't get enough of Matt Damon, or if you... You know, intrigues, espionage, intrigues. Just love uh, the real deep, right. interwoven, inner workings of the Korean government and yep. and policing task forces. Um, check them out. But if you're just kind of like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to go see this Saturday, maybe those two are not the ones to seek out. Let me ask you, off the top of your head, since this is the end of Fantastic Fest 2017. Oh my god. Can you believe it? So sad. We, you, I think you did the numbers. We did 22 movies. Yeah. So it made out to about 2.75 movies a day. Yes, plus resolution. If you want. That's to on that. the low end of a lot of people. A lot Very of people did in the 30s. I think 39 overall were shown. But because we knew we weren't going to like... We didn't want to backs. run ourselves yes. ragged and then yep. really kind of miss out on other movies. We yep. wanted to make sure we were kind of giving every movie that we did see... Full attention, not sleep. Um, Let me ask you something. Could you list your top three, or could you tell no. me? Could you tell me what your favorite was? You, uh, you know how I feel about ranking and listing yes. things. I'm all for it. Like, go for it. But I am not great at putting things in order, just because my feelings about movies and constantly whatever, change, constantly yeah. change. Yeah. And I'm not, I know I'm not beholden. It's not going to um, change about Apple Cart, though. We're always going to think that it's an amazing movie. Don't shit on Apple Cart. Um, <laughs> the ones I like the most. Yeah. Just in random order, in no particular numerical fashion. Um, definitely Annie and the Apocalypse. Yes. 
And in the apocalypse, I think, was not only the buzz, I think it was hands down the biggest surprise for both Absolutely. of us. Um, bodied. So Anne in the Apocalypse sure. bodied. Um, Killing of a Sacred Deer was enjoyable. I would put that high, but not, you know, a brawl. I thought brawl, brawl was crazy, scary, 99. and good. Um, yep. What else? Let the Corpses Tan. It's actually my pick. Let, let you the can corpses, have it. Let the Corpses Tan is one of um, my favorite experiences. Let the Corpses Tan. Just for the song. I know, I know you enjoyed it. I can't even think of anything else we saw. Like, I'm still brain dead. Yeah, there's just, you know, you get you get. Oh, mush. Juvenile. I loved Juvenile. Juvenile was great. Juvenile was yeah. incredible. Yeah. And The Endless, I would say, too, because yeah. I, I feel like... I think you're constantly surprised by the things that you see, but when you go to a festival like this, you... T- and the Wheelman! Sorry. Wheelman's great. <laughs> uh, it takes time to get over that, because you're so inundated with yeah. it, you know? We feel exhausted by so much that we see, but I think when we back up and say, and think about it, you know, maybe a week, two weeks from now, a month from now, we'll be able to say, okay, that was the strongest highlight of the And the, the way, movie. you know, the way that I do it too, you know this, I've said this on the podcast before, I go in as blindly as possible. Right. So every time I sit down, I'm really having a new experience, a fresh experience. Right. I have no expectations. Right. Um, oh, and Mom and Dad. I really enjoyed Mom and Dad. It's not perfect, but... Mom and Dad was good. I, I had issues with it, but I had some good stuff. There's some shit in that movie you will not see, you yeah. have not seen. I yeah. liked, you yeah, know, yep. I dug that. So, um, like I said earlier, we're going to probably do kind of a, a roundup. Oh my God, the thunder's Something coming. Something just happened. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing a, a roundup of uh, the movies that we didn't get to see at the festival that might we might still have uh, uh, availability of being on the press screening room and everything. Um, and kind of uh, just uh, kind of give like a late report to that. And um, so continue to follow AAGGFF as I post these up on uh, up on the uh, the Twitters. And um, <laughs> you can follow me as Mr. Greggles, Andrea's uh, Parker and Cooley, and of course Action to Go Go for all your adrenaline cinema needs. <laughs> oh, sorry, was I supposed to say that? You were supposed bit? to. Sorry. Um, but, yeah. For all of your adrenaline cinema needs. But yeah, we're going to uh, be uh, be doing just one more episode probably just to follow it up. And, and I urge you, um, if you have been listening to these little debbies and have enjoyed our coverage of fantastic fest go on itunes sign in leave us a rating or review for uh the debatable podcast um yes, because it can, we we love kind of doing this coverage for you guys and and even more so i urge you to consider maybe going to Fantastic Fest next year. Um, yes, it's been surrounded in controversy from a lot of different angles, but I think that Andrea would agree with me that the people... How that, dare you speak for me? That the people that went, the people who had movies there, the people that really love and, and support this filmmaking, they're the reason we went to Absolutely. Fantastic yeah. Fest. We didn't go because of the exploitation or any of the questions of, of, of uh, um, har- harassment, no, of sexism, or anything. We went because went we wanted to support the friends. filmmakers. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll defend that. Absolutely. I'll defend I think that's really kind of the most important thing to take away from it. Mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like to say before we I'm, sign off? I'm so sad it's over. Yeah. Um, Eight days is a long time, I'm going to say. It was. For a fest. And we had a lot of high points. A lot of high points. Mm-hmm. Even though we talked about kind of, you know, the days that we ran out of steam, the high points were much Absolutely. bigger than that. I'd love to do yeah. it again. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks.
smell 